Hi, this is a production of Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, where our mission is to bring Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Our service times are 9 and 11 each Sunday morning. Find out more at www.communitycovenant.net. So if you guys want to go ahead and find a seat, I want to tell you a story. One time walking in Salem, Oregon. So in in Salem, Oregon, I grew up from about fifth grade into adulthood. And in Salem, they have one of the busiest roads is called Liberty Street. And right downtown by um, by the big mall that was downtown, there was an intersection. It was one of the busiest intersections in Salem. And I walked by one time. And this guy was in a three-piece suit. And uh, lined up behind him were three young men. They looked like they could have been 16 to 18 years old. Three or four young men. They were standing underneath an awning. But, but the gentleman who was in the three-piece suit, he had a big Bible. He was open. Cars were going by this way, that way. And he was preaching. He was, he was saying something. It may have been good. I don't know. I think it was hard for people to hear when they go by. I mentioned the weird preacher thing earlier because we've seen, you know, sometimes we have vision of people like with an A-frame sign or signs, repent, and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just want to highlight that um, our, our character, I want to talk for a few minutes about baptism and communion, particularly baptism. But baptism in the New Testament begins with a character named John the Baptist. Maybe you've heard of him. So he was one of those kind of strange, strange people. He ate strange food. He, he dressed in strange clothes. And he had a message that was different than the message of his day. And he, uh, he was out in the countryside a lot. And he would gather a few people from the villages out in the northern Galilee part area of the Israel there. And he had kind of a strange message, but people perked up in his case. They came out to listen to his message. And you see, in first century Palestine, the the predominant message was kind of, hey, we're God's people. We're Abraham's children. We're waiting for the Messiah, and we're going to be vindicated. And his message was different than that. He said, yeah, the Messiah is coming, but you're not ready. You need to repent. And so he was baptizing people in the wilderness. And this was his message. He says, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is, is right near. And so they began to wonder. They began to, well, maybe this is the Messiah. I mean, this guy, is, he's got a powerful message. He's drawing people from all over the place. The Pharisees didn't work quite sure what to do with him because... There was some popularity to his message, right? People were responding to it. So they were fearful to oppose him too much, but they started asking him questions. Are you the Messiah? And this is one he one of the ways that he responded. He goes, As for my, me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that's in uh, Matthew chapter 3. So he made it clear, hey, I'm, I'm just a voice of one calling in the wilderness like Isaiah talked about, but this guy's coming. 
And the sense is, wow, when he shows up, it's going to be a big deal. And so interestingly, when Jesus shows up, it doesn't suddenly seem like a big deal. In fact, if John hadn't recognized Jesus, nobody would have. But John recognized him. And Jesus came, and he wanted to be baptized by John. Now, remember, this is a repentant, uh, a baptism of repentance. It's a demonstration that I'm turning from my sinful ways and turning to God. And so, why would Jesus come forward? And so, John, you can imagine, here's this one who he's been saying he's not even worthy to untie his sandals. And he's walking out and asking John to baptize him with a baptism of repentance. The word uh, baptizo is a Greek word. It's one of the few words in the Bible that actually comes almost directly into our English language. If anybody asks you if you know Greek, you can say, yeah, baptize. Okay? Baptizo. And, and in the first century, it was a word that one of the ways it was described is if, if you were in the textile industry working with raw material and you wanted to make, let's say, a material blue, you would dip or you would baptize it into the blue dye. And then forever now, when you pull that fabric out, it is always, always associated, identified with that blue color. Now, it is a blue cloth. So that's where baptizo comes in, and people were baptized. There's that identification. So what a beautiful thing when we look at Jesus. And he comes out. And he goes, I want to get baptized with sinners. I want to be identified with those who recognize that they're bent, that they're broken. That's who I'm identifying with. What an amazing thing. What a stark contrast to maybe what people expected. Jesus came in meekness, not in weakness. So on the, out, on the outside, weakness and meekness can look similar can look very similar because there's a yielding sometimes. And in weakness, uh, it's not our choice. The outcome is not our choice because we don't have the strength, the authority, or whatever to change the outcome. But in meekness, in meekness, there is the strength and the authority, but there's a yielding. So Jesus Christ, out of his identification with us yielded. He yields his authority. He yields his power. So this is good. And what a beautiful thing that in that moment, the scripture records for us. In fact, I have it here, I think. Ah, yeah. The spirit descends on Jesus. You have this moment of the Trinity, a picture of the Trinity. And you hear this voice from heaven, from God. As Jesus is yielding himself and identifying with sinners, Jesus, or God says, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. What a beautiful picture of God's love for us. The one who created everything, who has authority over everything. And when Jesus steps forward, he yields himself. To be baptized, to identify. He raises his hand. I'm going to stand with the sinners. Well, as the story continues, I'm going to make sure I'm in the right spot here. 
Jesus goes out right after this, and he was tempted for 40 days, and he begins his ministry, and he begins by saying this, and I'm going to invite you to read this aloud. Would you read this aloud with me? Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Do you see any similarity right here to what Jesus said, to what John the Baptist was saying? He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Here's Jesus preaching the good news. The good news is the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent. Return from your old ways and believe the good news. Now, I want to point something out. Notice what Jesus did not say, okay? The time has come. The kingdom of God is here. So what you need to do is accept me. And when you die, then you can be with me in heaven, okay? He doesn't say that. Not that there's not truth in that. But it's a different picture of what God's doing. He's doing something bigger than just taking us with him to heaven. Jesus is the rightful ruler of all of creation. He made it all. It's his. And the good news is he's showing up to take it back. That's the good news. And we get to be a part of it. If we repent from the way that has been broken, that's turned us back on God. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is coming. We're not getting rescued out. Jesus is coming in. You remember the parable Jesus tells of the mustard seed? The kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It starts off as the smallest seed in the garden. You see, for people in Jesus' time, a lot of them thought, this is pretty insignificant. It's going to die away, right? We've seen these types before. They come and they kind of stir people, some people up, they get a little bit of following, and then they die, and it all dies out and goes away, right? In fact, one of the high priests said something like that at Jesus during Jesus' last week of life. And if you follow the Gospel of Mark in particular, it looks like, from one perspective, Jesus is one failure after another as he loses more and more people and then ends up on a cross. Starts small. But it becomes the largest tree in the garden. And the birds of the air are able to come. It's talking about a kingdom that, that starts so small and yet flourishes so that even the surrounding life can find life there. They find rest. They find peace. Jesus didn't just come to save us. He came to save creation. And us in the process. So we get to the end of Matthew 28. Jesus has done his ministry. He's died on the cross. He rose to new life, right? He's demonstrated now his power and authority. In meekness, he lays down his life. In power and authority, he was raised from the dead. And so he comes to the disciples and he says in in Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, would you read this aloud with me? 
I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. See, so, uh, all authority is mine. Everything, nothing happens apart from Jesus' authority and his power. He's one through the grave. And so he says, go and make Jesus' followers and identify them with this new life. Baptize them. Right? It's very key in our identity that we're part of the new community that God is building. So he says, identify them or baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Life is in the triune God. And when we surrender our heart and life as exemplified in baptism, we are inviting that life or in accepting that life from God. So a uh, couple things about this identity piece. and I, I, Baptism is really key in identifying who we are. So I'm, uh, I, I like to say this sometimes because people don't know what it is, but I'm a pickleball player. That's part of my identity. I'm not saying I'm a good pickleball player, but I bet there's a few of you out there that have no idea what that is, right? And honestly, as far as that being part of my identity, it's not very... Um, it's not very defining for me, really. I mean, it takes some of my time. I'm not winning any tournaments, okay? Uh, but I enjoy doing it. Now, I'm a father. Now, that identity has more things to it and encompasses who I am much more. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a pastor. But see, overarching that, I'm a child of God. And so my yielding to baptism is a... Outward manifestation of my obedience to my surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. And not only that, but in baptism is a signal that somebody comes from being separated from Christ, separated from hope, right? To now becoming part of the new community in Jesus Christ. So it it marks my entrance into belonging, into this thing that God is doing through the church for the last 2,000 years in transforming the world and proclaiming the good news about Jesus' death and resurrection. So it's very key in my identity, not just personally, but that I belong to what God is doing. I'm going to have you read this with me. Notice, um, these are, this is out of um, Romans chapter 6. And um, Paul is touching on our identity and how in Christ we get to free ourselves from the old pattern in our life or our sin, right? And he uses baptism to remind us of our identity. Could you read these two uh, slides with me? So this is Romans uh, 6, and you'll see the reference here. In, I think it's verses 3 and 4. But anyway, here we go. Or have you forgotten that we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism? 
We joined him in his death, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, we now we also may live new lives. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. So in the New Testament writings, at least, the idea that you're a Christ follower without being baptized is completely foreign. So in um, Acts, when Peter is praying, and they hadn't yet recognized that God was doing something much bigger than just what the Jews, have some men from Cornelius come and say, hey, uh, we were sent to get you. And Peter says, hey, I was told you were coming. So he goes and he preaches to Cornelius, and while he's preaching the good news, and this is Gentiles, his mind is just swimming. He's like, what in the world is God doing? And then they show evidence of the fact that God is bringing Gentiles into the fold, that they are receiving the Holy Spirit, right? That they're responding, they're clearly believing in Jesus, the Messiah, that He is their Messiah too, that God is filling them with their spirit. What is the very first thing He does? He commands those with Him and says, we need to baptize these people, right? We need to baptize them. See, in the, in the New Testament, baptism and belonging, identity, personally, as a child of God, but also in the body of Christ, there's, there's no difference. There's no, there's no separation. I understand that process is good sometimes, but I just want to throw that out there. Because in our day and age, we take it very much as a personal thing when I'm ready. Right? That's not the New Testament way presented. So I just want to throw that out there to challenge some of us, because we'll have other opportunities if you don't get baptized today. All right, there you go. All right. So with Matthew 28, that mission that I mentioned, you guys, some of you are like, oh, he forgot to say our mission statement today. I didn't forget. We still get to all say it together. But you see how it captures the essence of this is what Jesus' ministry that he started, that he passed on to his disciples as people who have identified with him, who are called to a new life together, and who continue his mission and his ministry. And this is the words that we have formed for us here at Community Covenant Church. And so, um, like I've done before, I'm going to invite us to stand and say it aloud together. Can we shoulder this as much as we can? I recognize I'm like the all of you in that I'm in process I, I sense sometimes duality. I feel like I don't measure up. But we lean into the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ. We continue to receive that. And when he says, go, I say, okay. All right? So this is our mission. And to whatever degree that you're able, can we shoulder this together and say, yes, Lord Jesus. Okay? To whatever degree that he's calling us to this. So let's say, here we go. Our mission is to bring Christ hope healing, and wholeness to our community and to our world. Amen? Amen. All right, go ahead and have a seat. We look forward to the day when every single particle of energy and every particle of matter is 100% submitted. 100% submitted to the glorious rule and reign of our Savior, Jesus Christ.
So today we baptize people. And I'm going to first introduce you to Siri Sanders. Come on up here, Siri. So Siri is going to um, share a little bit of her stories. This is Siri Renee Sanders. And that should be working for you. And i got to stand there for you if you would like. I have chosen to be baptized today because I believe being baptized is what God wants for me. And I'm willing to follow that. The other reason I believe... I, the other reason is because my dad was baptized in Alaska and our family is moving to Minnesota in August. I remember when I was younger, multiple times, I could hear Satan's voice tempting me to disobey God's laws of, res- of respecting your mo- mother and father and not lying. But I also recall hearing God's voice overruling Satan. My mom and dad influenced me a lot to be a Christian by taking me to church and reading the Bible to me and my brother almost every night. My dad was an alcoholic and my mom and brother and I prayed for my dad so many times, and even though our prayers weren't answered the way we wanted them to be answered, we knew God was still with us and loving us the whole time. Three of my favorite verses are Proverbs 3, 5-6, through 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. Proverbs ten nineteen through 20 In the multitude of words sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. Ephesians 2, 8-9 For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Every day since my dad died, God has helped me to overcome my sadness and keep on living. I know I still have a lot to learn, and I hope and believe God can help me understand his words and trust him. I know that God has a plan for my life, and now it doesn't need to include my father. I would have liked it too, but it is not my choice. It is God's. I believe that I will trust in God to guide my steps in the years ahead. Siri's going to sit down for just a moment. Megan Marie. Megan Marie Burnland. What's that? Well, you know what? There's actually a a tradition about that with baptism. Oh, really? Yeah. Hi, my name is Meg Barnland, and today I'm here to tell you a a little bit about my story. It's really long, so I'll try to keep it short. I was born into a Christian family in Sitka, Alaska. I don't remember much, but from what I do remember, life was full of veggie tales and awanas. By the time I was three years old, I remember praying and asking Jesus into my heart. I knew who he was and what he did, but I didn't really know what it meant to its fullest meaning. When I was five years old, my family moved up to Eagle River and began getting involved in Community Covenant. Once I was in eighth grade, I really had no clue what my faith was anymore. I didn't want to be involved with anything that had to do with church, and I just kind of gave up on my relationship with God. My parents began to see that, so they gave me the opportunity to go to a private Christian school at the beginning of my freshman year. On October 23rd, 2017, having gained someone very important to me. Brandon Scott Kramer, not only a friend and a classmate, but also my biggest inspiration. He was the most faithful person I've ever known, and he was someone who really helped me to see who God was. At that point, I lost almost every bit of faith. 
I felt like my world had fallen apart and I didn't really see the point of living. I was extremely depressed and I felt like God was punishing me for pulling away from him. I felt abandoned and hurt by my own creator and I felt that way for many months, even after I'd seen God work in many new ways. That following January, I decided to transfer schools. I wanted a fresh start away from the people who were also feeling hurt because we all began to show that toward one another. Transferring was good for me. I was surrounded by peers from both youth group and Young Life. It was just a really great fit. After freshman year, or as freshman year went on, um, my faith began to slowly grow. During the summer of 2018, I attended a youth conference in Tennessee called CHIC, which stands for Covenant High in Christ. CHIC took me deeper in my faith, but also in a new direction. I felt a calling to missions. This is the first time I'd ever felt a calling from the Lord, and the main theme of the conference was refugees. Very quickly, I found myself with a strong desire to work with them. I began to look into teaching about helping refugees through the church, and I wanted to bring that into my school. During the spring of 2019, God gave me an opportunity. During, uh, it was for an English class presentation, and I got to share about what a refugee was and what types of things that they go through. I got to talk a little bit about my desire to spread God's word with them and help them realize that he has a purpose for them. Through all of that, God really showed me that I am loved, I am blessed, I am fortunate, I am wanted, and clearly, I too have a purpose. I believe that missions and serving is my current calling. It is something that I strive to do. I want to share the love of Christ with others not only around me, but in places that are unreached. While I was at Young Life Camp this summer, I fully gave the pain of Brandon's loss to the Lord. It was one of the most freeing feelings I've ever felt. I asked God to show up that night, show me a sign that he was with me and he was listening and active in my life. As I looked up to the mountains while I was sitting on a rock in that moment, I saw the letters G, O, and D cut out in the trees. At that moment, I knew I was ready to take a step deeper into my faith. A verse that has stuck with me is Galatians 5.13. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge, indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. This is what I feel I am called to do. Not only give all of myself to see someone else be saved, but to love and serve those who haven't been served before. God has transformed my life, and I believe he has saved me from myself. So I stand before you 13 years later from when I prayed that God would come into my heart, and I pro- proclaim that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I've seen him, I've felt him move, and I want to continue to follow him. Don't, don't sit down just yet. Just stand right down here. So I have some questions for you guys. I'm going to stand. I'm going to have you stand over here. Terry, thank you. I'm going to stand over here. All right. People want to look at you more than they want to look at me. Honest. All right. Siri and Megan, do you now desire to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? If so, say, I do. I do. Proclaiming this covenant with Jesus Christ, do you renounce all the powers of evil and declare your opposition to a way of life in contradiction to the gospel? Say, I do. I do. Do you repent of your sins, confessing Christ as your Savior and Lord? And living as his faithful disciple, if so, say, I do. do. Will you devote yourself to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer? If so, say, I will. will. 
And finally, empowered by the Holy Spirit, will you do all in your power to participate fully in the life of this congregation, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? If so, say, I will. will. All right, excellent. So, Megan, you can sit down for just a moment. You can come over here. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to have you climb in and you sit on your knees and face that way, okay? How's that water? Is it okay? So this is Lisa Sanders, series mom. And I'm going to invite you to try not to splash me because I have this microphone. I might go like this. Okay? All right. So you can plug your nose if you want to. Siri Renee. Because your confession of faith in Jesus Christ and your desire to follow him, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm going to... I'm going to pray for you real quick before you finish drying off. Is that okay? Father in heaven, what a great privilege it is for us to see uh, Siri just uh, confess her belief in you. And Lord, even her doubts as she uh, uh, surrenders her heart and her life. We pray a blessing over her today. May she have a special sense of your presence with her, even in this moment. And recognize that this was a significant step for her in identifying with the Savior that identifies with her. So would you um, give her a special blessing of your grace, of your mercy, continue to work in her life. May she continue to grow as a young woman who deeply adores Jesus Christ, who lives, Lord, uh, wanting to please you and uh, rejoices in knowing her Father in heaven. Use her, Lord, I pray, in a mighty way in your kingdom as you continue to expand, Lord, as you continue to reach new people with the good news about Jesus Christ and his gospel. We thank you today for Siri Renee. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Megan, and we have a few family members and friends standing with Megan too. A lot of men in your life, apparently. So this is Lucas, Megan's father, Lou, Megan's grandfather, and Ken. Ben. Ben. Oh, it's so close. Ben was a young life leader, correct? So very cool. So Megan, because of your confession, you can plug your nose if you're not. We're going to go forward. All right. Because of your confession in Jesus Christ as your Savior and your desire to follow him with your whole life, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Is 
Is it okay if I let your uh, grandfather pray for you? Would that be okay? Watch me. I got wet hands. This is going to be interesting. It's on there, Luke. If you want to pray for her, we lay hands on her. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for Megan and the way you've worked in her life and through her life and touched her heart. And Father, we thank you for her profession of faith and her public announcement in baptism that she wants to live a life for you to bring you honor and glory in everything that she says and does. Father, we thank you for her and we pray that we would continue to be an encouragement to her in her life as she walks with you and seeks to serve you and to do your will in her life. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' wondrous name. Amen. the lacks to come on back up here. This morning, as we uh, receive communion, it too, and as you'll see in just a moment as I re- read from Luke, but we tell the story of the gospel and what Jesus did for us and how in him identifying with us, we now identify with him. As he gives his life, we receive his life. Um, And it makes a difference in this moment, but also in the days ahead. And I want to read the words of Jesus from Luke as he's anticipating his death. He meets at the Last Supper and he says these words. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you, do this in the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And then in Corinthians, Paul adds that whenever we take the cup, we take the bread, we proclaim the good news of the gospel, what Jesus did until he comes back. If you today or a Christ follower, or maybe it's just you realize that's your desire. You're, you're wanting, maybe before today you haven't, but today you're going to say, you know what? I want to receive Christ as my Savior. We want to invite you to the communion table. It's for anyone who's willing to yield their heart to Jesus. And so I invite you to do that. We have two stations up front. Our stations are extra big in the back to accommodate extra people. And so you can actually approach the table from both sides. And so uh, we've got two extra big tables in the back, two tables in the front. In a moment, I'm going to pray. And you can come when you're ready. Take the cracker, um, the rice cracker, and eat it when you're ready.
and then uh, hang on to the cup and return to your seat and we'll drink that together. All right? Can we pray and just thank God? Father in heaven, we thank you as we receive your grace, as we taste this juice, the sweetness of it. May it remind us of your grace. As we taste this bread, may it remind us that your body was broken for us, that you identified with us. And so now, Lord, we receive your life, and we thank you. Father in heaven, thank you for your great love. Thank you for your kingdom that you are building in our hearts. We surrender ourselves to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come as you're ready. The blood of the new covenant. Jesus came not just to redeem us and bring us closer to himself, but to restore our relationships with one another. So in John's gospel, shortly after they had taken the elements together, he said, this is how people are going to know. This is how they're going to know that you love me, that you follow me, if you love one another. Inseparable. So we drink together as a reminder of that. So let's surrender ourselves to God and to one another as we drink together together.